It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. All right, welcome in to Minnesota sports with Mackie and Judd. Your daily dose of Minnesota sports entertainment, speculation, and therapy as needed. And uh, we got a batch of feedback here, boys. Another batch of Friday feedback toward the end of this week. Specifically, um, a name that we haven't really talked about at all as a Vikings draft option. But this player is definitely floating in the range of where the Vikings could be picking here. So just kind of floating around. So he's hovering? He's hovering, yes. Like a mosquito? Uh, well, I mean, he's he's very quick and athletic, mm. like a mosquito. I think he's a little, probably a little quicker. I hear you. I mean, like, I can catch a mosquito. I probably couldn't catch this guy. Okay, fair. So this is a question from Sam Meggs. You can always hit us up all week long through the Score North app. There's a feedback tab. That's the best way to get a hold of us. Send in your questions, your comments, your concerns, your critiques. And we try to get to as many as we can toward the end of the week for the podcast and for the YouTube channel. So uh, Sam Meg says, looking more and more at the scheme the Vikings are installing, if Bijan Robinson falls to 23, should the Vikings take him? They can get rid of Dalvin Cook post-June 1st. They could also do it pre-June 1st if they want to. They could trade him, whatever. And they have Alex Madison in there as a solid backup. I just see it looking more and more like the Vikings are wanting to set things up closer to a San Francisco look offensively Mm. than a Los Angeles Rams look. With the defenses getting smaller and smaller, this might be a way to get ahead of the curve. Respecting the run could get Justin Jefferson more open looks as well than an upgrade at wide receiver two value-wise. Very interesting. We've talked very little about Bajan Robinson. You know, they got Ty Chandler that they like and drafted in the middle rounds last year and and they right. re-signed Alex Madison. And as of right now, Dalvin Cook is under contract, so there's not, like, room. But what do you think? He's been, he, by the way, he has a 9.7 Raz. That's the run score on a scale of 1 to 10. A 1 point, uh, a 9.7 Raz, which is off the charts. One of the most athletic players in the entire draft. I think it's interesting, and I do think that a guy like that in a Kevin O'Connell offensive system would be super intriguing uh, and and yes like I love the comment about what what San Fran has done because I think guys like O'Connell are far more likely to go to what could almost be considered positionless football all of that being said positionless football <laughs> positionless football positionless football is coming it's already in basketball why not um but that being said 
do I think that they're going to expend a first-round pick and a fifth-year option on a guy who plays a position at which the wear and tear is so quick? My answer is... Well, I mean, it's quick. Like, you can give three or four years. Sure, sure. But I'm just saying, do do you... That's that's the trade-off, though. And do you go down that, that path? While I'm intrigued, I think the fact that he would fall... Like, if he falls to 23... I don't think that you take him there. Doesn't mean he's not a great potential. It doesn't mean that he wouldn't be fun. But I think your I think your sights are set elsewhere, partially based on this. If he was a Harvin-esque final piece to a puzzle, I think you might be tempted, right? Like Percy, the, the Vikings got incredibly fortunate that Percy smoked dope right before the combine <laughs> and failed his drug test, which was stupid, although smoking dope should not be a big deal. But that caused yeah. his fall. And in 2009, there's no doubting that Percy Harvin played a very key role as a plug-and-play guy. Do I think the Vikings are in a position to need a plug-and-play guy? No. So position-wise, I think that they would probably not take him. See, I look at it a little bit differently. I think sure. this wide receiver class is not, and who knows, in retrospect, this happens all the time, right? That quarterback class isn't that great. And then Patrick Mahomes becomes Patrick Mahomes. So I'm I'm a I'm a little I'm a little grain of salty when it comes to this isn't a great receiver class and then all of a sudden you know, there's three Pro Bowlers or something so but in terms of the people that mock for a living and scout for a living guys like Thor Nystrom for instance I just pulled up because what he does with his draft with his mock drafts is he'll put if this player pans out to the peak of their capabilities here is the NFL comp he's not saying this player will for sure be so and so he's saying. If they perform at the peak of their capabilities, here's the comp. And again, this is all kind of a subjective science, but the wide receivers are, and I'm I'm not even going to give you like the names of the current, I'm going to give you the comp names, all right? T.Y. Hilton, Jarvis Landry, T. Higgins, Isaac Bruce, and I'll give you a, well, that's, we're getting too deep in the second round there. But Bajan Robinson's comp is Edgerin James, <laughs> and if you look at his if you look at his college numbers and everything, I mean, all and, and his raw athletic score, just everything, it all kind of adds up. I mean, this dude, he averaged seven yards per touch at Texas last year. Yep. At Texas, playing a Texas schedule, he averaged seven yards per touch on almost three hundred touches as a twenty year old. So I guess if you're asking me, pick 23 rolls around, and there's two receivers off the board, and uh, you could maybe settle for, like, a good route-running number two, like Jordan Addison. Or, uh, you know, maybe Zay Flowers is a T.Y. Hilton at his peak. Or you can just get the best running back in the NFL, and he's going to catch passes for you and be a three-down guy. I would not dismiss that. I would not dismiss that. Crazy trades back there. But what if he trades back and still gets Bijan Robinson? Well, yeah, I mean, at some point in time, that, that's fine. I'm just saying, I don't. I totally get the question, and the talent is intriguing. I just don't think that the Vikings, with how they operate now, would take him. Do you think we've gone a little too far in the uh, running back denigration? Uh, people, people kind of act like you can just throw anyone out there. I sure. think to me, it's more about don't pay top dollar for running backs because once they hit age twenty five, twenty six their injury history becomes an issue or like the, the chances of injury. I think there's actually a lot of value 
I don't think I'm drafting a running back like third overall, but I think there's a lot of value in having a really good elite running back that can be a three-down guy and catch passes mm-hmm. from age 21 to 25 and then have the have the stones to say goodbye and not pay him afterwards. I think if you were ready to pop, th- this makes this makes more sense. So, so like, like for Buffalo it makes a ton yes, of sense. I think if you're a team that needs help at this position and and you are basically in, in your mind on the precipice of a Super Bowl berth, this makes sense. 2009, mm-hmm. Harvin made perfect sense here because he was literally a plug-and-play weapon. Um, I think the Vikings, are, I really believe that right now, it's not that they're trying to be bad because they're not, but I think that there's bigger concerns into the future that would cause them to back off on a move like this. Now, maybe in a couple of years, it totally changes. Mm-hmm. I just don't think right. I don't think the timing right now is set for a pick like that. Okay. Uh, Joe Merge chimes in here via the Scorner app and says, you guys keep referring to KOC as the quarterback whisperer on almost every show. We call him the quarterback whisperer. I think we say he's got an affinity for working with quarterbacks. I've said it at least once or twice. but The I don't whisperer? Think, okay. I don't think it's every show. Exactly what evidence do you have that he's going to show? Sorry. Exactly what evidence do you have that he's going to know which quarterback to pick in whatever draft? You're assuming a lot. What has he ever done to show that he knows quarterbacks? He was a terrible quarterback when he played, as you guys always point out. I think you're just gaslighting and just waiting yeah. for him to fail in finding no. the next Vikings quarterback. Well, okay, a couple things here. First of all, <laughs> again, people are people are so black and white with this. There isn't a dude, John Elway couldn't identify a quarterback in Denver. Nobody can identify a quarterback with one hundred percent certainty. It's all probabilities, it's all odds. Mm-hmm. You get lucky, you get unlucky. You know, so you can't sit here and say that with Kevin O'Connell or anyone else, anyone that he identifies, he knows exactly what kind of career they're going to have, right? It's it's all probabilities. But if you're asking for his resume, so let's let's go through the recent part of the resume. He helped guide Kirk Cousins to eight fourth quarter comebacks and a 13 win team season. Cousins had never come close to any of those things at any point in Washington or Minnesota. It's not like they overhauled the roster. So what was the difference? Kevin O'Connell came in, and he helped Kirk play with a more quiet mind in clutch time until the fourth and eight, of course, in the playoff game. So he elevated Kirk Cousins in high-leverage clutch situations. Matthew Stafford. Now, Sean McVay gets a bunch of credit for this, too, but like Matthew Stafford comes in. Who is working the most closely with Matthew Stafford? Probably Kevin O'Connell, the offensive coordinator. And Stafford puts up 40-plus touchdowns, career season, I think it was the second best QBR of his of his career. Dominates the playoffs, fourth quarter comebacks in the playoffs, and they win a championship. But what about Johnny Manziel and Dwayne Haskins? Those guys were failures, and you know, under Kevin O'Connell, yeah. I don't know that any coach would have been able to mold Johnny Manziel, you know, going to clubs until two thirty in the morning in Vegas, or Dwayne Haskins, right? So, I mean, like, what are you looking for? Do you want? Do you want? Until he has ten success stories, only then can. We'd be optimistic about his ability to develop a quarterback, I guess. And that note's not not for us. It's for the Wilfs. Like, they hired him. I guarantee you, among their checklists of our next coach was going to be confident guy can find quarterback. And don't forget, often people who played a position, that, but they, they weren't great, are the best at identifying that position because go. they know it's, it is the super successful, i.e. Elways, who struggle. Because they say, 
why can't dude do what I did? And it's like, because yeah. you're Elway, you helicoptered into the end zone in a Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> O'Connell's shortcomings at that position actually make him far more ideal because he knows the cautionary signs as well. But, I mean, the Wilfs hired him partially, largely, based on this ability. So, like, that note ain't for us. It's for the Wilfs. Yeah. It's just like, I, I, I hate I hate this type of thought that, you know, if if you have a blemish on your resume, because you, you were the quarterback's coach for Johnny Manziel, or the off, whatever he was. I think he was the quarterback's coach for Johnny Manziel. And yeah, Cleveland. he didn't draft him, though. Right. But like, even he if he did, like, but, whoa. but even if he did draft him. There's a lot of smart people that were like, take a shot on Johnny Manziel. Look at the athleticism, this and that. It just shows you that there's yeah, there's no such thing. Uh, even the smartest football people are throwing darts a little bit with quarterbacks. So you're looking to win in the margins. And I look at the work that KOC has done with Matthew Stafford and Kirk Cousins, and I think it gives you some positive feelings about what he could do with a young quarterback. Does well, it guarantee yeah. that he's going to be great with the next quarterback? No, of course not. And if he starts to strike out, there's a problem. Like if he drafts one and he fails, and then he gets he's going to get a second chance. He fails, come back, circle back. You were right then, but until yeah. then, like the whole premise here is trying to find a guy who you are confident is intelligent enough, smart enough, and can coach a guy up to make him successful. Yeah, I mean, can you guys can you guys name me? Maybe Andy Reid, I guess, with Donovan McNabb and Alex Smith a little bit. In Kansas City, and then like Vic. Um, I mean, I mean, yeah, there was some good. Like Andy Reid well, is a quarterback whisperer. Right. Besides Andy Reid, can you name like two or three other guys that almost everyone that they're associated with at the quarterback position turns out to be a star? Way way back when, I mean, it'd be like a Bill Walsh, right? But I right. mean, that's the eighties. Mm-hmm. Like right now, no. It's no. yeah, it's it's, it's a, a little, total gamble. Yep. All right, let's see here. Uh, Kel Trot chimes in via the Score North app and says, I've been listening to you and Judd since your show started. As a matter of fact, I've been following Judd since his Star Tribune days. Lead I left the, back in the day. lead Vikings beat writer for back in the, the Star Tribune. Those were the days. I left the Twin Cities when I went into the Air Force and they put me in the desert southwest for nine years. I've lost my tolerance for the cold, but I have been a Vikings fan since my first Super Bowl or since the first Super Bowl. My question is about our cornerbacks. The Vikings do not have a nickel cornerback, although they might. Um, since Cam Bynum was a cornerback in college and was converted to safety in the pros, could he transition to the nickel cornerback? So Byron Murphy plays a ton of nickel cornerback. So that might actually be your solution. Yes. But in a in a Brian Flores defense that's going to be very multiple and very, I think, flexible, could you see Cam Bynum in some situations? Now, Cam Bynum in a perfect world probably isn't starting for you because Lewis Seen is starting for you. But yes, what do you think yes. about this? Uh, I think it's intriguing. They definitely need depth there, okay? So, like, ho- hopefully Booth comes back and can actually play. Evans, who had three concussions, which remains a concern, can play. Uh, I guess ideally then, if those guys can, act, can start, that Byron Murphy Jr. steps into the slot. But um, the upcoming off-season workouts and camp are going to be really intriguing because, yeah, like we don't know. We're we're back to square one defensively. O'Connell has made it very clear at every press conference I think he's done since Flores was hired that this is a new 
defense. So he's not asking Flores to replicate what he wanted from Ed. Like that's just out now. Yeah. So I'm with you, Phil. Like, I mean, I think it's going to be more multiple. I think it's going to be hopefully more creative. So if there are wrinkles, are we going to be surprised? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. They're going to do different things. But, you know, I think O'Connell, I think part of the problem with Ed was when Donatel got the job, O'Connell's whole thing was, well, what Ed Donatel, or, or I should say this, what Vic Fangio did in Denver gave us with the Rams problems. So if Ed can just replicate that, and this might sound weird now, but I think that there could be an argument made that um, – Kevin O'Connell got a little bit over his skis with, with mm-hmm. like identifying defensive things. It's not that he doesn't know them, but you know, he just thought, okay, if you give me a defense that gave me problems, it's going to work. It didn't. I think Flores probably has been given the keys to the car completely now. So he's going to install what he thinks is best as opposed to like what O'Connell thought was best. Yep. O'Connell also. And if we, we may, we may get him on the show again. He was on the show last off season, but if we get him on the show again, I'd love to ask him about, you know, you go to the Super Bowl, you get hired. You, so he got he got hired before the Super Bowl, but the announcement couldn't come, and he really couldn't put in any meaningful work until they were done preparing for the Super Bowl. Right. And so you're several weeks behind some of the other teams in the hiring cycle. Right. And so the Super Bowl ends, and then the combine starts in like three weeks, and the NFL draft is coming up, and you have to hire a full staff, put together schemes, and everything, and then start on free agency prep and Kirk Cousins' contract and all this stuff. And I'd love to ask him, you know, you reflect back a year ago, how much of a whirlwind was that in retrospect? I don't think you would ever answer, did that whirlwind contribute to you whiffing on Ed Donatel? But it probably did. did. It probably did. What if he did? God, was that a bad hire by me? (laughs) That guy's a clown. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's see here. Uh, Wyatt C. says, big fan of you guys. I was wondering if you guys would mind telling us why you got blocked on Twitter by Dick Bramer. Oh, so sure. all, all three of us have I'll been go blocked first. by Dick Bramer. Um, so I, I, think I, I think I was the third. I, I think that the, the Bramer hat trick was completed with me. I'm pretty sure <laughs> Bill and Declan were blocked before me. Was and I the first? I think you were. You well, were you know, first. I don't know when Dex got blocked. Uh I think I noticed it sometime between uh, 2017 okay. and on. Well, then you might have been the first because I, I no, want to say I Phil think, got blocked. I think mine was 17. I think I've been blocked yeah, for you're like right. six years. Well, you you got blocked for the one game wild card in New York, right? Yeah, that was dude. That was 2017. I've been blocked okay. for six years. 
I haven't seen left-handed toast on Twitter in six years. I got blocked last year, but it, it was more of a uh, lifetime Twitter achievement award, right? Because I just couldn't take it. Like the Twins were spiraling, and you know, tomorrow's another day for a baseball game. Hopefully, the Twins is like, no, man, no, this is a complete <laughs> boondoggle. It's a joke. Boondoggle. Call it a joke. And Dick wouldn't. And I think I tweeted this about four times, and finally. By the fifth time, I think I looked and I was blocked. Uh, yeah, so yeah, same thing. Um, similar reasons. My biggest gripe is, and look, I've, I've done baseball play-by-play. I loved it. It was, it was a lot of fun. I did it in college Great. a lot. You guys um, I did two seasons with Sean Aronson at the St. Paul Saints when I was in college. I've, I've called a ton of baseball games really early on, but I realized pretty quickly— Pretty quickly, though, I realized I don't want I don't want this as a career. Number one, it's just the the grueling aspect. You're in motels. You have to work your way up from, you know, rookie ball. It's literally like you're your own minor league baseball player in the in the realm of being a base a professional baseball broadcaster. And I just I knew that career path wasn't for me. However, what I don't understand is with similar gripes to Judd is you've been doing this for forty years and you don't know if a F nine on the scorecard is going to be there or completely out of the ballpark as a home run. There's no, oh, wow. so so you're, you were upset about his depth perception yes. and getting excited. Oh, about wow. long fly balls. How okay. long have you done this? And you're still really confused on a fly ball to right field. Wow. And I understand it's you're difficult. Attacking, I've done attacking it. Attacking so you're, right Wow. I, I that's what just blows my mind, dude. You just said Declan just did the far. I played the game. Uh, I've yes, done play by play and yes, I never once missed it. I, I got never out. Once I got out as a 19 year old. I realized, oh, this is really difficult, and I don't want to continue this anymore. He's been doing it his whole life, and he doesn't know what a home run looks like. Wow. I will say it feels like he heard some of those because a lot of people were annoyed by that on Twitter for a couple years. Because I think he he got really excited about some big fly balls that wound up being short of the warning track, and people let him know on Twitter. And I think in the last couple of years, he's done a much more concerted job of if there's a fly ball, I'm going to slow cook it. And it might not be until it hits the 16th row until I ramp up and get excited. So I think he's taken people like Declan's criticism to heart in that regard. So for me, I, I just went back on baseball reference. My God, it has really been this long. The Twins were playing in New York. September 18th through the 20th of 2017. So it's been almost six years. Okay. And I remember during one of those games, Bramer was being what I thought to be a little presumptuous. He kept saying, like, when, you know, right. the Twins you know, are going to be coming back here in a couple of weeks for the wild card game. And I was kind of like, I mean, let's, let's, I think I tweeted something like, let's pump the brakes a little on the presumptuousness of the Twins. Like, there's, there's a lot of work to do in the next two weeks to get back to the Yankee Stadium. To, uh, you know, it was pretty innocuous, to be honest with you. And I don't even know if I, I don't think I tagged him or anything. He DM'd me during the game with a bunch of expletives and uh, was not happy that I was, let's just say, was not happy that I was you save it? critiquing. I don't, it's probably screenshot somewhere. I'm not, I'm not looking to like, I'd love to, I, see, I'd love I chirped to see him a little bit. I chirped him a little bit. Yeah, let, he let called me out on it in a DM. And basically said, I don't have time for twerps like you or something. Or no, it wasn't twerps. He said, I don't have time for uh, uh, for bleep stirs, bleep stirs like you. And then blocked me. And then I actually, I think I ran into him in the press box uh, spring the next year and just I said hi to him. I don't know. We, just inter- we interacted in person. He didn't block me in person. 
but I haven't been able to see his tweets. Well, I deserved it. So I don't think I deserved it. I'll be honest. I deserved it. I deserved it. it. And so I, I have been in the last five years, I think it's been five years, I have been blocked by Bramer and LaPanta unfollowed me. And Greenlight did too, but they didn't mm. block me. Because I've I've I melted down on them long ago. So you're just mad that the Bally's crew tries to gaslight fans when things are bad, right? That's kind of your overall well, and, Yeah, and I don't like how certain people do it. Like like here here's a guy I, I love. I love Gorg. Kevin Gorg's great, right? And he he is a homer, but I don't feel like he's trying to pass himself off as this voice of authority. He like sort of gets that that he's a fan, and he goes with that and embraces it. I'm fine with that. I feel like Lapanta and Dick try and act like they're authority figures, and it's like, no, you are, are a homer. Which is why Corey Provis is so good. Corey Provis gets excited when the Twins win. He wants them to win, but what does he do when they don't play well? He tells you they're not playing well. You know, when's the last time LaPanta or Dick said this is a this is a real problem? Without sounding, you know, and Bramer sounds like like he just lost a relative sometimes. It's like, <laughs> dude, it's a baseball game. I wanna hear I wanna hear Bramer just go off on the twins one night. If they you know, if yes. they lose five games in a row and he just says, It's been forty years. I've been holding this in for forty years, I can't take it anymore. If if he does it, I hope he does it not on Twitter because I'd like to see the right. Great. <laughs> oh, he won't do it on Twitter. Don't worry about it. But it would be great if he just lost it. This is the stupidest team I've ever seen. But if it didn't happen last year, it ain't ever going to happen. Yeah. So that's why we got blocked. That's why we've been blocked for upwards of six years by the that's Duke. Good to get it out. Kramer. Thank you. Uh, Nate B chimes in and says, remember all those people giving you guys crap for the Jose Barrios trade talks? Oh, yeah. I forgot about yeah, that. I kind of forgot, forgot about, about that, but too. man, we were we were accused of being clickbait artists for that. And then it happened, and he's been terrible. Uh, look at how he's doing now. The twins are looking so good. Please feel free to save these and send them back to me come August when we are six games behind the Guardians. <laughs> uh, it sure is fun right now, though. But on the Barrios front, he is, oof, he's made uh, two starts. He's given up 12 earned runs in nine and two-thirds innings. So he's, and even last year, man, he had a 5.23 ERA in 32 starts. He led the league in hits and earned runs allowed across all of Major League Baseball starters. Oof. He signed that contract and it just went in the toilet. What happened? It's a weird case, man. Like his stuff does not match up his results in his career. You would have thought, like looking at his stuff, the, the fastball, that like he had two or three different off-speed pitches that he could control. And for whatever reason, man, he just he's never put it together for a full season. He's never clicked. No. But, I mean, it used to be what, that weird, was it August or September swoon? Yeah. For like two or three years. August, I think, is what. But now he's just getting hammered. Yeah, it's and some of it was like, oh, is he just not durable? Does he need to stop running 15 miles in the outfield between Pushing starts? Cars. He'd but push his, cars around and tweet that tweet the uh, tweet that that out. I'm pushing cars around. It's like, yeah, dude, you probably don't need to be doing yeah, that. Don't need to be doing that. Yeah, his career August ERA is five point four six. It still remains a thing after all these years. Well, so you know, we tend to be the first to market on trade ideas and get laughed at. That's never gonna ha- like oh the cousins to San Francisco, and then three years later, here's Florio. Oh yeah, they've been talking about that behind the scenes. So on May nineteenth, two thousand twenty one. When Jose Barrios was still on the team, John Morosi put out a thing that Jose Barrios is a name to watch as a trade fit for the Blue Jays. So I went back, and I'm looking at the score tweet right now. 
Uh, so this was two months before that trade happened. To the exact team, by the way, that John Morosi said that could be a really good fit, and it was yeah. that exact team. Uh, some of the mocks are, yeah, okay. Uh, do you want the Twins to lose? Uh, you're making up rumors. Who is your source? Yeah, this is uh, this is actually quite hilarious. Dude, that, Morosi's that, plugged in. That Morosi tweet sparked a Twitter fight between me and I think it was Nash Walker, the old Locked On uh, Twins podcast host. And he just he chirped it or something, and I and I think I said it was like we're not the ones reporting this. John Morosi's the one. John Morosi's very and guys like Morosi don't just. But the idea that this is just ridiculous, like guys like Morosi, and this is I think the lesson that we try to teach sometimes on this show, which is guys like that don't just put stuff out there. Guys like Daniel Jeremiah and Todd McShay don't just randomly mock Hendon Hooker to the Vikings at twenty three, like they're Bruce Feldman, right? There's always there's always something if you dig a little bit deeper that's a catalyst for why things like that get out there. Yeah. So anyhow, you know, uh we like to recklessly speculate. Sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, and I guess we were we were right on the Jose Barrios front. So But Sano, we were wrong on. He's he's had such a good start to the oh wait, he's not playing in the major leagues at all. It's a weird deal, man. Like not even a minor league contract for that guy. I, he's just I, out I, of baseball right now. I can't find a thing. He had that February, I think, had like some type of showcase workout in Florida. No one signed him. Crazy, man. He's, he's I know. out of baseball. Out of baseball. Know, he's going to have to go somewhere if, if you want to play Mexican League or something. Man, a lot of people comp- were comparing uh, his numbers to like harming Killebrew in the power department. No, yep. man. No. no I wouldn't dog. do that. That's a no for me, dog. Yeah. Um, by the way, by the way, we have a merchandise shop, scorenorth.com slash shop. If you're looking for some fun purple related apparel, we've got the before I die hoodies and t-shirts. We've got the score North trucker hats, victory Monday hoodies and t-shirts. We have two different variations of the before I die hoodies and t-shirts. You can check them all out at scorenorth.com slash shop scorenorth.com slash shop there's one of the just one before i die shirts that has all the seasons of vikings football crossed out as we attempt to get one that's circled for a super bowl at some point so uh yeah i got my hat on i got my hat on my my pd hat that that hat is not available currently. Well, why is the hat not available? I in love the this hat. Shop. Very nice hat. People might want this hat. Look. People do want that hat, but it's not currently available in the Scorner Shop. I was shop. trying to help the cause out, okay? <laughs> Forget it. I'll just take it off. All right. There. Thanks for hanging out with us here. Uh, Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd. Enjoy your weekend.